It's being able to talk them through the clauses so they understand what their documents say. They feel confident that it reflects their business and, you know, they do have that peace of mind. They know how they're going to get paid. They know how they can get out of the relationship amicably if things don't work out with the client. So they've just got that ease in their business because everything's set up in a compliant way and a values aligned way. Welcome to this week's episode of the Audience Growth Podcast. Today, I have the absolute pleasure of chatting with Ingrid Fernandez, previously of Deck and Dash Legal, and we'll be covering what her new business name is, same business offerings, new name. And we have a really honest conversation today, which includes the highs and lows of business and with a specific angle of how we operate within the online space, which is how I discovered Ingrid in the first place. So if you are looking for some great communities to join, if you are looking to find out how you can make sure that your business is legally compliant in a way that suits your availability of time and budget, then this week's episode is a do not miss. So let's dive in. On today's episode of the Audience Growth Podcast, I'm absolutely delighted to welcome Ingrid Fernandez. And I'll let her introduce herself. And then we're going to have a really conversational episode today. So don't be surprised to hear me being a little more honest than you might expect or a little more open than you might expect. But anyway, before we dive into that, welcome to the show, Ingrid. Thank you so much. As a listener, it's really nice to be here as a guest. (laughs) Oh, lovely. Thank you for saying that. So could you give the listeners a brief introduction of who you are and what you do? Yes, for sure. So my name's Ingrid and I'm a lawyer. I have up until this point run a business called Deck and Dash Legal Consulting. Its new iteration will be Her Legals. And what I do is I help small business owners and entrepreneurs and freelancers with the legal side of their business. So generally speaking, it's contracts, so terms and conditions, GDPR compliant documents, contracts, service agreements, documents of that nature, and just help people get all of those things in order so they don't have to think about it and can get on with what they love to do. I can 100% agree with the fact that that is what happens because I have been your client. You wrote all of my documents, terms and conditions, etc. can't remember how long ago it was now, a couple of years, three years maybe? Yeah, that sounds right. Before we dive in, I want to ask you, I've just started reading a book by, have you heard of Jenna Kutcher? I have, yes. So she has just released a book called How Are You Really? And the concept for the book is to actually start talking about how we really are. Last night before bed was my second evening of reading the book. And I thought we could ask each other, how are you really? So Ingrid, how are you really today? Firstly, it's really nice to be asked that on a deeper level, because I think, like you say, we don't really ask that and expect anything more than fine, usually. At the moment, I'm pleased to say I'm good. It's been, for me, as with everyone, I know it has been a supremely unsettling time for everyone. And for my family as well, it has been very wobbly 
but I feel like things are starting to calm a little bit for me. I have, especially in my business, I have a lot more clarity, which I think we'll chat about in a little while. And with my family, we're feeling a lot more settled. We're all healthy and well. And I think what I'm feeling overriding everything else, and this is not to put a, you know, toxic positivity spin on everything, but just really grateful because we are well and we are safe. And, you know, we have people who love us and take care of us. And throughout this whole pandemic, I've been able to run my business. So I think I'm doing pretty good. Excellent. Can we jump to you? How are you really? Thank you for asking. Yeah, much like you, I feel really grateful that I've been able to grow this business during the pandemic, that most of my family have had COVID, but nobody's been affected badly. I haven't had it yet. And I'm really hoping to stay that way for as long as possible because we have our first holiday booked (laughs) for the first time in three years. So that is my little niggling concern at the back of my mind, but trying not to think about it. And other than that, I am good. I'm relaxing into the summer holidays and just feeling incredibly grateful to be self-employed at this time of year, especially. Yes, definitely. I feel the same. We have a holiday coming up in September, October, and it's a big holiday. And similar to you, I've not had COVID yet and the rest of my family has. So there's this slight worry underlying the excitement. But then I think there's nothing I can do. So I'm just going to be excited. (laughs) Excellent choice. (laughs) And you are based in Australia. So I bet that a question you often get asked is, surely the law is different in Australia and the UK. So how do you get around that in your business? Yes, absolutely. So it is, it definitely is. They're two very distinct legal systems and the rules and regulations for running businesses in the two countries are different. Absolutely. That being said, there are so many commonalities between the two. And as we move into, especially in the e-commerce space, which is almost solely where I work, there is so much similarity. They follow very similar trends in terms of consumer rights, in terms of contract law. A lot of it is very similar. I originally trained in Australia and became qualified in Australia. And then having spent the last seven years in the UK, I train there as well. So I have that grounding in both. So I can see the similarities and I know the differences. So I can work in the dual jurisdictions and be able to navigate them separately in that way. Amazing. And you might not know this about me, but I actually have dual nationality. I have an Australian passport. (laughs) Do you? I had no idea. Yeah, my dad was born in Manly in Sydney. I am about 15 minutes from Manly. In no way. Yeah, where I live at the moment. That's my local beach. We head there probably every couple of weeks, even in the middle of winter, which it is now. We still just go down and have a walk around near the beach, get that clearing sense you get from the ocean. We go for a dose of that at Manly Beach every chance we get. That's lovely. I love that. Love it. The world really is small, right? Tiny. It's tiny. Yeah. yeah. Well, now you've got an excuse to come, well, more than one, but now you've got another excuse to come down. Oh, yeah, it's been too long. So you touched on it briefly there. 
about e-commerce businesses, which are the types of businesses and business owners who you really love to work with the most? So when I first started my business, which is just over four years ago now, like so many small business owners, I was happy to work with everyone and anyone. And not to say that I'm not. Now I'm always happy to help people who need the help with legal documents. That's not a problem. But I was, when I launched the business, a new mum. I just had my second child. I hadn't been back to work since before my first child. So that was almost two years out of the workforce. And I was really struggling having not worked during that time. And I say that obviously with privilege and with gratitude that I could be with my children. But at the same time, I really felt my brain just liquefying. I was really struggling. And the spaces that I was in was primarily women, primarily mums, and primarily those women and mums who were moving away from employment into, you know, running their own business or starting a side gig or whatever it may be, trying something different. And so for me, there's that commonality of working with other women, working with mothers who are just trying to do things differently. And over time, I found that they're the people I click most with. I'm best able to help. And it's such a gift. I get so much joy because there are so many parallels between what I'm doing and they're doing, even when the subject matter is so different. Most of my clients are in the service-based space. So a lot of coaches, consultants, graphic designers, whatever you can think of in that space of service providers to other small businesses. And we're all just trying to do the same thing. We're trying to be there for our families. We're trying to run a business or we're trying to work in a way that works for us. And wear all the hats, you know, wear the marketing hat, wear the legal hat, wear the accounting hat. So helping those women not have to wear the legal hat is really my sweet spot. That's where I love to stay. And it's so vital. I mean, when I came to you to hire you to help me with my contracts, my contractor agreements, client agreements, legally compliant T's and C's, I had recently closed down my first business due to the pandemic. And I was just fresh out of three months of closing down that business, making redundancies. And even though I had great contracts in place for that business, and I had an HR company helping me as well, it was so stressful. It was probably one of the most stressful things that I've been through. And I knew that I needed and wanted watertight agreements in place for this business, just in case anything should happen in the future. When your clients come to you, what are the main fears that they have, do you find? In marketing, I talk about that tipping point. So what's the tipping point for your clients before they come to you? So one of the things I found really interesting, the more clients that I work with and the more women that I work with is the vast majority, I could say almost all of my clients, they really want to do the right thing. They want to be law abiding. They don't want to cut corners when it comes to being legally compliant. They want to do the right thing by their business, but also by their clients. You know, they're not trying to do anything in an underhand way, or they're not trying to do the bare minimum. They really want to do things properly, one for their own peace of mind, but also just because there's that underlying wanting to do things a different way, you know, not the typical way we've been taught that business needs to look that's cutthroat and that's at the cost of everyone else. Women really want to do business. Sorry, disclaimer. I've found that the women I've worked with really want to do business in a way that aligns with their values, you know, aligns with their community that uplifts each other. 
And the difficulty that a lot of women find is the barrier to knowledge and to understanding what their legal obligations are because the law hasn't always been accessible to women. Obviously, that's a whole nother podcast we could chat about. But especially in business, especially in relation to financial matters, women just have been almost fenced out of accessing that information and being able to use it to better their lives, better the lives of their families and communities. And so the tipping point for so many women I work with is they're ready to move through that and they recognize that that information isn't always readily available, but they are committed to running their business in that way. And so when I can work with them and really give them access to not just the documents, and I think that's the joy of getting to do what I do. It's not just giving them a piece of paper and they can tick the box and say they're doing the right thing. It's being able to talk them through the clauses so they understand what their documents say. They feel confident that it reflects their business and you know, they do have that peace of mind. They know how they're going to get paid. They know how they can get out of the relationship amicably if things don't work out with the client. So they've just got that ease in their business because everything's set up in a compliant way and a values aligned way. That's exactly what I've found. It's that peace of mind and that confidence that you can go out and win new business. I feel like I've won business with clients of all sorts of sizes, but probably bigger clients than I would have previously because there was no fear there. There was no fear about whether I was going to have the right legal structure or documents in place or was something going to go wrong and I was the small fish maybe and they were the big fish and how was that going to end? That fear was just completely gone through having these contracts in place. So yeah, thank you again for that. (laughs) (laughs) You're so welcome. Obviously, it is an investment for people to get bespoke documents like I've done, but there are a few different ways that you can work with people, aren't there? Can you tell us about those? Yeah, definitely. So when I first started, all I did was the bespoke service. So I'd work with people like we did together, would have calls together, talk through what you wanted. I would create those documents and then we would talk through them, any questions you had or any changes you wanted. And in that time, as I was doing that over the last couple of years, I found that there was a big part of my community who weren't quite ready, perhaps, for the bespoke service. And that could be for a range of reasons. One is obviously financial, and that's a very valid concern. Another could also be where people are just really starting in their business and they don't quite know yet what they want to have in place. They don't necessarily know how they want to get paid and what that will look like and They needed that little time to really settle into their business before they created those custom fit documents. All of these reasons are completely valid as well. I think that's the thing that is often missed in this conversation around what we should, and I put that in inverted commas, have to start a business. I really believe in starting where you are. And so what I found was I wanted to be able to help the people who were starting in a different place to those who were ready for bespoke documents. And so what I created were templates of the contracts and of the privacy policies, website documents that I'd been creating bespoke. And so what I was able to do was create a lower cost option, but also a much more user-friendly option in that they're good to go. So they're legally compliant. You know that you've got everything in the right place. And they're simple enough that if you're starting out and you don't know how you want everything to look yet, you still are protected and your clients are still protected to work with you. So it really gave people that same peace of mind, but without needing to make that 
time, financial, energetic commitment of the bespoke service. I was just going to say time as well, because I've kind of focused in this conversation on the financial aspect. But I remember when you are first in that flurry of starting that new business, the last thing you have time to do is think about anything really relating to admin. Yes. But T's and C's for your website? Nah, not going to make time for that. (laughs) Absolutely. And who wants to, you know, real talk here and As a lawyer, I can say this. I know people don't want to. I don't need to convert everyone to get excited over documents. That's my bag. It's not everyone else's. That's totally valid. I know that it's not necessarily for people an enjoyable part of getting things done. And again, not trying to convert anyone. But that's the ease with the templates. You don't have to sit there and really dig into them if you don't want to. You can have a read through and they come with an instructional PDF and a little video just explaining how to use them. And then you're good to go. You can pop the website documents, you can pop them on your website and you're sorted and you can go on to the next thing on your list before you launch. So yeah, it gives you that ease. So, so helpful. Okay, so that is the how and the what of what you do. Now let's talk about what we briefly touched on, which is this exciting rebrand that you're going through. So what has brought this about, first of all? Well, when I first started my business, one of the things I was stuck with and I knew I'd get stuck with was the name of my business. And it was so uncreative at the time. I had two children and I named my business after my two children. So Deck and Dash is named after Declan and Dash, my two boys. That's nice though. It is. To be honest, it's not that in any way that I've disconnected with that branding. It very much fit who I was and who I was helping at the time that I launched the business. And, you know, all that facilitated the change was that over the last couple of years, I've really wanted to focus in on that female founder space. And I know that that's a difficult title for a lot of women to step into. And again, if you don't identify with that, I completely respect the choice. But to me, a female founder is just anyone who is choosing to work or run their business in a different way. It's got nothing to do with the size of the business or the revenue or the title you give yourself. It's nothing like that. It's just women who are doing things differently. And that's who I love to work with. That's who I love to help. And what I was finding was the more I was tapping into that, you know, exploring communities and connecting with other women who had communities who were trying to help women founders, that was really leading my branding more than the name that I had before. And so I spent some time just really digging into the why, you know, why am I doing this business and why am I helping women and, you know, all that amazing branding stuff that all the brand people tell you to do. And when I really sat with it, it had just shifted a bit, you know, since I launched four years ago. And I wanted a brand that really spoke to the people that I want to speak to so that they feel this is a space for them and they can come in and just feel comfortable. You know, it's a safe space to talk about business. It's a safe space to ask questions that perhaps they don't feel safe asking in other places and they don't know where else to go for that. So that's really what necessitated that change. I really just felt that I wanted people to know that this space was available for them. So then, you know, a few months of just sitting and being really scared of rebranding because it felt like such a huge shift. And then I thought it's one of those things, and I think anyone who's launched anything ever will understand 
you know, the momentum comes from doing. So I spoke to you and I have a wonderful OBM who has nudged me along the path of getting things moving and my branding expert, Amanda PGI, and all these little nuggets of support, you know, it really reinforced that the change was what my business was ready for. So now you have made that decision. You've got the rebranding ready to go. And we're actually on the cusp of launching it at time of recording, aren't we? How do you feel right now? Yes. To be honest, now it's just a lot of that fear. And if I'm really honest, a lot of that imposter syndrome has really faded away. Because once I'm in the doing of something, and this is, you know, I've been working on the marketing plan, as we've been talking about, I've been working on the collateral and all the doing things that go into a launch. And once I'm in the doing, I just forget about being scared. And I forget about, you know, worrying about what people think or how it might be perceived and all of that falls away. And so now it feels like, oh gosh, why did this take me so long? Of course I'm ready. You know, it's time to go. So it's fun to be in that excited state. It's not been there. Like I've not felt excited. I've been more concerned than excited, but now I'm just excited. I think I'm just ready for that. Brilliant. And I know having rebranded myself, I started this business as the Simplicity Concept and then changed it to my name a few years ago now, 2019. And then under my name for the last couple of years, we've been growing the agency, which is obviously bigger than me, and also the training side of things. So at the moment, we're creating a separate website and trademark name and brand for the agency. And I know I completely identify with what you said about the doing. And then I feel like towards the end of that process, as you're nearly ready to launch, it turns into a feeling of impatience. And that's when you know you've done the right thing, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly it. I did all the things the coaches tell you. I sat with the feelings and I gave them their time. You know, I needed to do that. I think that procrastination, I just needed to. I didn't want to rush this. But like you say, now it's just impatience. Now I'm ready. The business is ready. And I think the time's right. You know, I've got my energy back and things in the rest of my life are feeling a little bit calm, as calm as they can be with two kids. So it's ready. It's as ready as it'll be. And how much do you think this rebrand has contributed to you feeling re-energized about your business? Or is that coincidence? Oh, completely. It's completely contributed. I think what rebranding really forced me to do was think about the why I'm doing all of this. Because for me, obviously, day to day, what I'm doing is drafting contracts and documents, which don't get me wrong, I love and I can do that all day, every day, quite happily. But and I'm sure so many of us can relate to when you're in the doing you can really disconnect from why you're doing it and who you're there for and what you're trying to achieve and the impact you're trying to have. And I think that's what I had lost was that connection with why am I doing this and where's the joy in this again? You know, I got so deep in the doing and the delivering of documents and making sure everyone had what they needed that I wasn't feeling the joy in why I was doing it anymore. And really digging into why I wanted to do this and why my business is even here, why I want to keep running it, you know, even with all the things that we have in our lives, you know, running a business, it's no small commitment. And I reconnected to that. And I guess re-realized that, yes, this is what I'm meant to be doing right now. There's a reason for this. I didn't do this on a whim. I didn't do this, you know, just as 
something to do in between. This impact that I can have and help people have, it matters. That has wholly re-energized me. So the rebrand is completely responsible for that. Absolutely. I'm sitting here grinning at you through Zoom from ear to ear because I just love that you have rediscovered this commitment to your business and this passion really for your business. It's amazing. I was thinking as you were talking, what I think is really helpful for you is that you have managed to build a personal brand. So even though the name of your business is changing, when you go out and say, ta-da, here's her legals, people are going to recognise your name, aren't they? What would you say have been some of the key things that you've done to grow your personal brand over the years? This is probably the worst thing to say to a marketer, but none of it has been purposeful. <laughs> I don't want to rant at all, but there's such a myth around women working together and women tearing each other down. My experience over the past, I'd say five years, even leading up to launching the business has been the complete opposite. The only reason my business is here and the only reason I have that personal brand and that recognizability and that support in the communities is because of the women in those communities, 100%. They have supported me through times when, you know, I had some life events. So a couple of years ago, I lost my mum and I didn't know how to function, let alone run a business. And it was that community of women freelancers and business owners who really held space for me to come back in whatever guise I could to kind of creep my way back into that world. And then during the pandemic, it's the other women business owners, the other founders, the other freelancers we all just walked each other through the really hard stuff. And obviously they're there to celebrate my successes, but you know, they've just supported and shared and really waved a flag for my business when I couldn't always do it myself. So I think that it's more than an attitude. I think it's that real commitment to supporting each other and uplifting each other. It's the most true thing I found since starting my business and I didn't anticipate it. It wasn't something I went looking for. But the communities that I've been in and worked in and obviously found clients in, but it's been more that community feel. We're all in this together. We all know what it's like. We all have the juggle, all of those things. That has really helped me build that brand because I'm the lawyer that these women can go to because we all know what it's like. We all know exactly, you know, calls with kids running in and rescheduling at the last minute because of a sick child and no childcare. And there's no judgment. There's no trying to maintain this professional persona that doesn't fit with who we are in our lives. So to come back to your actual question, it's really been the communities that I've been in and their unending support and that real women supporting women in practice rather than just as a hashtag, that has been the grounding for building anything that I've built, including the personal brand. It's so good to hear. And it's definitely been my experience as well. I mean, I remember discovering this whole online digital world of memberships and courses and communities, you know, years ago now and thinking, wow. And I think what you've articulated there about the actual support of these amazing communities, that's probably a really strong draw for a lot of us and makes it easier for us to enter that online world, doesn't it? And I also think that what you said about the pandemic, never has community been more important, including online communities, than during the pandemic. And I think that the legacy of that will go on for a long time. 
Are there any specific communities that you want to give a shout out to while we're on this topic? I could not not mention doing it for the kids. That's literally the space where I launched the business from. So the wonderful and also just inspiring business person who is Frankie Totora, she started that, I think it was about, I want to say six to seven years ago, but I'm not quite sure. Similarly, she was a new mum and freelancing and couldn't find a space that really fit for her. And so she built it. And six years on, it's a 10,000 strong person community. And she's moving it off of Facebook into another space called Circle. That has been the place that I launched the business in and have made friends and colleagues and found clients and built that community, that network. So that was definitely where it started. Another one that I think you'll know and love is Real Work, which is Fleur Emery Space. Absolutely. (laughs) It's obviously a very different space, but that's what I love about it. It's honest, it's open, there's vulnerability that Fleur fosters in there that I've not really found in many other spaces. And again, it's women-filled and it's so supportive. You can go in there with a business question, you can go in there with a personal question, you can go in there with a life rant, you can go in there with anything and there'll be someone to just hear you out and support you so you're not walking alone. So they're two that I just can't imagine being without. Yeah, same. I've been a member of Real Work for years and I've been in doing it for the kids, the Facebook group for years. And I joined as soon as Frankie opened Circle as a paid community, I joined that as well. And absolutely agree with what you've said about those two spaces. I think what I really love about both of them is there's no ego and it's really refreshing. Absolutely. That's so true. And it just gives you permission to show up as you are, what you're feeling. One of the threads that Frankie used to post in the Doing It For The Kids Facebook group, which I would laugh out loud with tears running down my face, was what are you having for lunch? And the reality of what small business owners and freelancers were having, it would be, you know, Cheetos and olives and, you know, half a slice of bread left over from their kids' breakfast and just the most mishmash of what you could find in a kitchen. And it was so different from, you know, what you'd see on Instagram of these beautiful members communities where people were going out for lunches at members clubs and having, you know, three-course lunches with wine. And you see this toasted sandwich with tomato sauce (laughs) coming out the side. And it was so honest. No one was trying to be anything else. And that's so much of what I love. I think the communities that I've really found a space in other ones where I can show up, obviously celebrate the wins, but really just be as I am in the world. I think that's what matters. Completely. And I think that is a really important thing to keep in mind as you're trying to use marketing to grow your business as well, isn't it? The more you can relax into showing the real you, certainly when you're running a service-based business like ours, the more you can do that, the more you will attract the people who love to see that side of you and share those highs and lows that you've talked about and grow your tribe. (laughs) That's not too cheesy. (laughs) I feel like we've come full circle back round to the American. (laughs) We started with Jenna Kutcher and now we're growing our tribes. (laughs) 
Oh, Ingrid, it's been an absolute pleasure. Obviously, I've been your client. You're now my client. We know about each other's businesses, but it's been so lovely to hear more of those details and to hear your excitement about what's to come in your business as well. Thank you so much. It's been so joyful to be able to talk again, just such a real way about it, you know, talk about the wobbles, the struggles and the joy in it. So thank you so much. It's been lovely. You are so welcome. You too. Take care. much for joining us for this episode of the Audience Growth Podcast. I am sure that you find Ingrid's advice and story just as relevant and inspirational as I did. And I can assure you that having worked with Ingrid, I really do have that peace of mind when it comes to keeping my business legal. Next week, I'll be back with another short summer episode. It's a solo episode. And this time I'm going to be sharing with you how I fit marketing my business into my already busy schedule. I know that you are busy business owners too. And I completely understand that trying to fit in your own marketing alongside everything else that you've got on your to-do list can be a real challenge. So don't miss next week's episode to get the inside scoop on how I manage that in my business. I'll look forward to seeing you then. Take care.